Hey, everybody, it's so good to see you here today. We are in a series called Just One Bite. And we started last Sunday in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve sinned. And with one bite, the world was broken. And ever since then, people have been trying to fix their brokenness. And we see evidence of that every January because we all start thinking about New Year's resolutions. Uh, but each year we make these resolutions and, you know, we want to eat better. We want to read more. We want to pray more. We want to get uh, in shape. All of these things, you know, begin to fail because eventually we start to give in to temptation. And when that happens, we kind of go back to normal. But not this year. It's going to be different. Is anybody with me? Come on, Knoxville, are you with me today? Because we started a, a thing that we, as a church, we're doing 21 days of prayer. I wanna ask you to start the spiritual discipline or just at least get better at it. And that is to pray every day, read scripture every day. We have a prayer calendar here that if you didn't get last week, you can get and jump in. And we're asking you to create some space in your life uh, by fasting from social media, maybe even food, uh, fasting from TV, something like that to create some space in your life so that you can be more intentional about pursuing Jesus. And so I, I pray that that will, will occur and happen in your life. Last week, we saw how Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. Today, we're gonna be in Luke 4. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. I do want to welcome everybody, especially those in Knoxville today that are connecting and uh, we'll be in Luke 4 in just a minute. In Luke chapter 3, a little context here, Jesus was baptized. And so that's important. Uh, sometimes I get questions, why do we have to be baptized? And in Luke 3, we see Jesus modeling to us uh, this ordinance we call uh, baptism. And, and so first of all, Jesus modeled it to us. And so that's one of the reasons. The other reason is Jesus commanded us to be baptized in Matthew 28 when he said, go make disciples and baptize them. And so he modeled it to us. He told us to do it. And this is essentially an outward expression. Baptism is an outward expression going public with our faith saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. And it's representing an inward commitment of faith to Jesus. And so if you've never been baptized or maybe you were sprinkled as a kid or maybe you were baptized before you actually put your faith in Jesus, you kind of have to do it on the right side. If you, if you were baptized before your faith in Jesus, it's kind of out of order. You're not symbolizing anything that happened to you. And so I uh, wanna encourage you to go to our great volunteers in the care and prayer room today and just say, hey, I need to get baptized. That's my next step of obedience. And I pray that you will do that. And after his baptism, Luke 4, he is tempted by Satan. And I wanna start today by helping you notice the timing of this temptation. The timing of this temptation after every mountaintop there's usually going to be a valley in your life. After every spiritual high, there's probably going to be a spiritual low. So don't be surprised when that happens in your life. For Jesus, a spiritual high, he was baptized. Uh, Heavenly Father spoke, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then immediately there is a valley, there is a temptation that occurs for the next 40 days. He faces this, he is hungry and he is alone. And so he is facing this um, temptation against the enemy. Now, some of you would probably say today, I feel like I am in the desert. I feel like I'm in the desert. I, I feel like I'm alone. I feel like 
the enemy is tempting me and I'm losing. He's kicking my butt. I feel alone. I feel discouraged. I don't have hope today. And I want you to know that you're in a good place today. You're going to receive some encouragement, right, from the word of God. And so I want you to help me preach this morning. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're in a good place, man. You're in a good place. Tell them. Encourage them. In Luke chapter four, this whole passage is really about the identity of Jesus. Who is Jesus? So Satan is saying, if you are the son of God, do this, do that. That's the question. Are you? Are you the son of God? If, if, if. And, and so if Jesus does not overcome this temptation, then we know he's not the son of God. But if he overcomes the temptations of the enemy, then we know he is the Messiah. Then we know he did what Adam could not do last week. He did, did and will do what you and I can't do on our own. So we look to him as our savior. In Luke chapter three or chapter four, let's start in verse one where he says this. It says, and Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan. He was baptized in the Jordan river and was led by the spirit into the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was obviously hungry. <laughs> and so here's what's happening in this setting. He is led, don't miss this, by the spirit into the desert to fast, meaning he's not gonna eat food for 40 days. And in this, yes, he's hungry. He is tempted by the enemy. And I want you to know something. Sometimes the Lord is gonna lead you into the desert. He's gonna lead you into that season of life where yes, you are tempted and you are tested. But I also want you to know that when you are tested, you can be assured that God is not the one tempting you. James chapter one says that God cannot tempt you. He cannot tempt us to do evil. It goes on to say that it is our own evil desires that draw us away to be tempted. Now, Satan and his dominion, uh, his, his demons have some authority, not authority, but, but some influence over our culture. We see this evidence all over our culture. And so they, uh, through those means, tempt us as well. And so God does give him a certain amount of freedom on the earth. Uh, for instance, God uh, allowed Job to be tempted and tested, if you remember that story. But the purpose of that was God was going to bless him twice as much. We also saw that Peter was tempted and tested. And Jesus said, Peter, you're going to be, Satan asked to sift you. And he said, I, I, I prayed for you. I'm praying for you. And Peter failed the test. He denied Jesus three times. But at the same time, God used that failure in his life to help him become the leader of this new movement that Jesus calls the church. You see, your failure in temptation can always be used by God's glory and for your good. And so God doesn't tempt us to do evil. He cannot and wouldn't, but Satan has an amount of freedom in our life to do that. But God is always gonna use however we respond to that test for your good and for his glory. I love how James chapter one describes it to us. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith, the testing, the temptations, the suffering, the various issues that you're dealing with today produce something. It's not for nothing that you're going through what you're going through. It produces steadfastness when you're faithful. And let steadfastness have its full effect, 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Right? And so the, the point of these tests is that you and I would be strengthened and that we would be complete, right? And that we would grow in this. So God's going to test you. You're going you're gonna to win sometimes and you're going to overcome. And sometimes you're going to fail. By show of hands, how many of you have ever failed a test from God? Keep your hand up if you ever failed a test in school. Anybody? Man, I wish that wasn't true. I remember my junior year, I was in English class. I already made one English teacher upset this morning. So probably a few more if you're in the room. But I was, I was supposed to read the book, Ethan Frome, right? And I failed. I didn't, I didn't do my homework and I missed a day and she decided to give a pop quiz. And uh, so I go back the next day and she's like, well, you missed the test tomorrow, come in early and, and take the test. And so I did what every good student would do. I went home and in those days you rented movies. And so I rented the movie, Ethan Frome. <laughs> and starring Liam Neeson, okay? And so I watched the, the movie last night, and, or that night, and then I go to school to take the test and she decides not to give me a paper test. She decides to give me like an oral exam. Like, so we're just sitting there. It was the most awkward thing in the world. And, and I'm like, can I get a true or false? You know, I got a chance if I got a true or false or a multiple choice. But she started asking me questions. I don't remember the question, but I do remember my answer when she, when she was like, who is the guy that did this and this? And I was like, Liam Neeson? <laughs> she was like, excuse me? And I went, oh, no, 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 not, not him. I meant the guy with the beard and the, how do you know he had a beard? did you read the book, Trent? <laughs> I was like, no, I, I, I didn't read the book. And so I failed, I failed the test, but I learned something from that failure. And, and that's the point. The point is that we would learn something from the failures in life. And what I learned is when you are supposed to read a book in school, you do not watch the movie because there are different characters and they do different stuff. So what I did was I read the cliff notes like a good student, right? Amen. I'm just kidding. Don't do that, high schoolers. You got to read the book. Um, anyway, we, we face the test. Sometimes we're going to fail and sometimes we're going to succeed. But I think it is important that we understand that in the testing, when we fail, God allows that failure to happen because he knows that we need to learn something. Often the greatest lessons in life come from failure. Failure can be the greatest teacher in our life. If you never fail, then you don't know how to win. You don't appreciate winning if you've never failed. You don't realize what it takes to win in the first place if you never fail. And so failure can be a great teacher. We've got to understand why did we mess up? How did we fail? What is the reason? How can I change things in order to be more faithful? And so the scripture gives us insight and help and the power of the Holy Spirit allows us to learn and allows us to grow and move forward in our faith. We get super encouraged by 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in this, uh, as we think about temptation. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And so when we talk about the idea of something being common, it means that we're all experiencing these temptations. You're not unique if you are experiencing temptation and failing. 
we're gonna look at the three main temptations that every human being on the face of the earth actually faces, just like Jesus in our life and how to overcome them today. But whatever you're facing, it's, it's common. But he says this, God is what? Say it with me, faithful. God is faithful. And he's not gonna let you be tempted beyond your ability. So encouragement number one, whatever you're going through, he is giving you and has provided for you the strength and, a, and, and ability to overcome whatever it is you're going through. It doesn't own you. You're not a slave to that sin, right? That's the first encouragement. But then he says, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. So he's given you the ability and he's giving you the escape route. And so the, the, the idea for us is, okay, I believe I have the ability from him. It's not my strength, it's his strength. And then secondly, where's the escape route, right? And so for each of us, uh, we wanna understand that yes, he is giving us an escape route that when we face this, he will give us the ability to actually endure it. And so that's extremely encouraging when we think about the idea of temptation. Now, when Jesus is tempted here for 40 days, don't think of it like he gets to day 40 and then Satan comes up to him with like a five minute conversation and he's like, no, I will not, no, I will not, no. It's not like that. It's like a journey of 40 days he's facing this and he's experiencing this, right? It's just like what you and I do. It's the daily grind. He's fasting, he's hungry, right? He's, he's weak and, and, and he's alone in his thoughts. And then the temptation comes and he wrestles and struggles in that moment. So fasting does something that is extremely important for us. It, it denies a, a, a need that we have for the purpose of godliness. Now, you may not be you know, in a health condition where fasting is something that you should do, consult your doctor, but if you are healthy enough to do this, I would encourage you to do it at least a 24 hour fast of some uh, kind, do research, uh, learn a little bit more. Uh, I do this and practice this on a regular basis and God uses it in tremendous ways. Now you might say, I don't think that's for me. And that's why I've encouraged you to do a cultural fast, social media, TV, you know, create space. Why? To get alone with God. You know why you're creative in the shower? because there's like five to 10 to however long you take a shower minutes where you're not doing anything but standing there. And all of a sudden you get a, you get a creative thought. You know why we think about, here's my theory. You know, I don't know if this is true. I think it's true for me. My theory is the reason why we start thinking about um, uh, goals and getting better in January. Yes, it's a part of our culture, but many of you the day before or the week before, you know, January 1st, you've taken one or two days off of work. Some of you more. And when you take time off of work, now all of a sudden you've created margin in your life. You're not running and gunning. You're like at home. You might be watching TV, but there's just moments of boredom. And in moments of boredom, what do you get? Creative thoughts. What do you do? Man, you realize, man, I've been eating really unhealthy. <laughs> man, I've gone all year and I haven't read one verse in the Bible. I haven't read a book. What am I doing with my life? You know, that's what happens. So that's why we have to create margin. That's why the enemy wants you to go, 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 go. So you don't stop and think about where you're actually at in your life. So this fast is for you to grow. Please take advantage of it. In verse three, we begin to see this temptation. Let's jump in. Here's the first one. 
The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, remember identity of Jesus, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So like tempting Eve in the garden, Satan is appealing to his appetite. He is hungry, right? He, he needs food, he wants food. Of course, he has the power, the miracle working power to transform stones into bread. He transformed water into wine. He took five loaves of bread and two fish and fed uh, the 5,000. He has the power to do that. But what Satan is tempting him to do, what he's facing here is the temptation for pleasure. Please yourself, Jesus, with food right now because you're hungry. The temptation is this, you're going to feel good. It's going to meet a desire that you have right now. Don't wait on God, do it yourself. I know you committed to a 40 day fast, but he won't care if you just end it right now. Here's the temptation. Don't wait on God to provide, go get it yourself. Do it your way. Have you ever faced that? Have you ever dealt and wrestled with that question? The test is when it comes to pleasing yourself. Will you wait on God to provide or will you rush past God and try to get it on your own? Will you rush past Jesus and try to find pleasure in this world? I know Jesus that joy only comes from you, ultimate joy, but I'm gonna try to find it in this relationship. I'm gonna try to find it with this drug. I'm gonna go my way. I'm not gonna wait on you. We all have various appetites. We all have various passions and pleasures in life. And the pleasure test will reveal your self-discipline. It will reveal your commitment to the Lord. Are you gonna give in to your passion or will you follow God's plan? Jesus is obviously tired. He's obviously hungry. And so the need, the, the appetite is there to please himself. And the problem with this temptation is that he's asking Jesus to use his power for his own selfish gain. Use your miracle working power now for your own selfish gain despite what God wants you to do. You see, we face the same temptation when we, when we don't realize that God has gifted us with various talents and skills and influence not just for ourselves, but for other people. Here's my point, whatever God has given to you, your skills, your talent, your influence, your family, your business, everything that he has given to you, he didn't give that to you just for you. He gave that to you so that you would be a blessing to someone else and not just your kids. I'm talking about other people in the room. I'm talking about the community that we live in. God has gifted me in some ways and, and it's my responsibility to use those gifts to bless other people. And it's your responsibility to use your gifts to bless me and, and those sitting around us. And the temptation though that the enemy will throw into our face is the temptation of pleasure. Just please yourself. Use it all on yourself. Don't bless other people. Don't miss this. Satan is tempting Jesus to use his power for his own pleasure. First Peter chapter four, verse 10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. That's the call of the word of God, to use it to serve one another. But when you fail the pleasure test, you're driven by your appetites. Some of you are driven 
by your appetite today, whatever you want, you want to go get. However you feel, you want to act on it. You're not thinking about God's will in your life or God's direction in your life. If there's a need, if there's an appetite, fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it. I need it now. I can't wait on God. You might have an appetite for sex or for food or to feel good or to relax and you're using whatever inappropriate sinful means necessary to meet that need. And the question though is, am I gonna wait and trust God to meet my needs? Or am I gonna say, no, I've gotta take matters into my own hands. Some of you are trying to turn stones into bread today and you've gotta trust God, right? But here's the lie that Satan will give to you. He'll whisper, you'll never have enough. You'll never have enough. So have more sex with people that you're not supposed to, take more drugs, steal, cheat, lie, do whatever is necessary because you don't have enough. And if I don't have enough and I feel like I don't have enough and I go and I go and I go, then what I end up doing is feeding all of my appetites and falling for the temptation and test of pleasure. And so what do we have to do? For us, it's, it's extremely important. We have to understand what Jesus says. His response comes from Deuteronomy 8, where he says, man shall not live by bread alone. He goes on, it goes on in Deuteronomy 8, but, but by the very words of God, what Jesus is repeating and what he is using to overcome this temptation is that God's going to meet my needs in ways that you don't understand. I'm trusting that God's going to meet my ways, uh, meet my needs in ways that, that I don't understand how or, or when or, or his timing, but I believe that he's going to provide and he's going to nourish me and he's going to grow me. I, I want you to see that the approach that Jesus takes to overcome temptation is to quote scripture. You know this. And so understanding scripture and knowing the word of God is one of the best and most effective ways to overcome the lies of culture and the lies of the enemy in your life. Last week, I, I used this phrase, Bible before, right? Say it with me, ready? Bible before, one more time like you mean it. Bible before, Bible before what? Everything. Bible before I take a shower, before I go to work, before I have a fight with my wife, before I have a fight with my parents. Bible before, why? Because when I get into the word of God, it transforms my life. When I'm in the word of God, when we prioritize the Bible, it points us to Jesus. And we need to walk and to move in the direction of Jesus way more than we are. I don't care how long you've known Jesus or how mature you are, we need more of him. He's the answer to every problem you have. He's the answer to every issue that you're gonna face in 23. We don't know what it's gonna be yet, but we need more of him. We need more of the word of God. And I don't just need to memorize a verse or two. I need to know the word. I need to understand it. Why? Because then I can apply it. It's not enough just to know. I have to apply and I have to live it out. And as I do that, that's when I grow. Some of you in our, are in a dark place today. You're in the desert, you're being tempted. You might be getting your, your, your tail kicked right now and you feel discouraged and you're thinking, how in the world is God gonna meet this need? How in the world is he gonna fix this job situation? How's he gonna give me a job? How, how's he gonna give us a baby now? How, how is he gonna be able to get us out of debt? How is he, able to, how is he gonna be able to fix this? And so you're confused and, and he's tempting you, the enemy, to turn stones into bread, to do it your way to take a shortcut, 
But what do you do when you're in the desert, when you're in the dark, when it feels like God's not listening or God's not gonna answer? Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. He says, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Anybody else? Okay, that's me. Let him who walks in darkness, some of you are there, and has no light, what are we called to do? Trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Two words there, trust and rely. Trust and rely. Some of you need to make a habit, a spiritual habit. I don't care if it's five minutes, 10 hours. You need time on your knees, maybe on your face, in your room, alone, pleading with God, telling God, I trust you. I'm relying on you for this situation. Instead of worrying about it, instead of being anxious about it, instead of being negative and complaining, I'm gonna spend my time on my face. I'm gonna spend my time on my knees and I'm gonna give it to you, God, every single day. And I'm gonna say, God, I trust you with this. I don't know how you're gonna do it. I know, God, that I can't turn stones into bread. I know that you're gonna meet my need. Like Jesus, I'm hungry and I need it now. I'm desperate now. But I believe that you will fulfill my need in ways that I cannot understand or see. And we lay it down and we trust him. And so what we do is we overcome this temptation by trusting God's word, trusting God's word. We're trusting you, God. We're relying on you and we're pleading with him in prayer as we face all of the situations that we are facing uh, today. And as we trust him, we mature. As we trust him, we mature spiritually. Maturity is being able to endure pain today, recognizing that pleasure is coming. Seasons of testing are just that. They're seasons, they don't last forever. Some of you might say, well, it's been a couple of years, man. How, when's this one gonna end? I don't know, but, but it's, it is a season and pleasure is coming. Right, 40 days will end for Jesus and he will leave and he will take his next step. The hard stuff happens now, but that is what mature people do. We're able, right, to do the hard stuff today knowing that rewards will follow. Immature people can't do that. Immature people want the easy road. They don't want the hard stuff. They don't wanna, they don't wanna have to deal with that. They're impulsive and impatient. They don't wanna wait. They don't wanna delay gratification. They want it now. But if you wanna be mature in the waiting, we say, I trust and I rely on you, God. I know joy is coming in the morning. I know blessings are coming. I know the resolution is on the way. And so I look for it. Here's the second temptation. Verse five, then the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written. Here's the scripture back to him. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The temptation here is the temptation like he promises Eve. He, he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you something that he can't deliver. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you something. You're not gonna die, right? And you're gonna be like God. 
Here, Jesus is being tempted for power, fame, money. You can have all these kingdoms. You can have all authority, right? Every single one of us are gonna face the temptation for power, the temptation to have more money, more power, to have more material things. And we all will wrestle with that and we'll live in this capitalistic, selfish culture that rewards more, right? But here's what we have to understand. This is a temptation that Satan will whisper to you and he'll say, money and power is more important than your mission. This is the temptation that Jesus is facing. Money and power is more important than your mission, Jesus. He's saying, I wanna give you all of this wealth, all of these kingdoms, you're gonna be in control. Aren't possessions more important than your purpose? Isn't it more important to have money instead of purpose in our life? That's the temptation. I think many of us know people maybe even yourself who've wrestled with that or who have lost that temptation or lost that battle. People have sold out their family to, to, to grow their business or to grow their platform, right? People have sold out their faith to grow that business and platform. And so we have to understand this is the test of what matters most. What's gonna matter most to you? Do I value wealth on earth more than eternal rewards? It's the temptation, the test for power. And when you and I fail the power test, it reveals that you're driven by status. We want to have this status, this platform. Look at me, look what I have, look at what I can do, look at all the power that I have, right? I need to look good, I need to feel good. And the enemy will whisper to you, you'll never do enough. So get up tomorrow and grind. Get up tomorrow, work harder than last week, give more time, give more energy because you need more stuff. You've got to make a payment on this. You've got to buy this. You've got to go here and earn that and develop more and grow up bigger and have it bigger. You don't have enough. And it's the temptation, the test of power. Keep working, keep running the rat race of our culture and prioritize money and possessions over the Lord. We know people that have done this. We've struggled with this. But Jesus says in Matthew 16, he says, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? We know the truth of this. God didn't put us on earth just to collect a bunch of stuff and then die and leave it to a bunch of people. Like there's more. We have to understand that our life is what? 70, 80 years, the Bible says. But eternity is forever. I, I would imagine that you probably have a 401k or some type of retirement plan because one day you want to retire so that you can live off of that, those resources. What's your, what's your eternal retirement plan? <laughs> what's that investment look like? You're going to be living off of it in eternity one day. And too many of us are are neglecting and not worried or thinking or, or, or living in such a way that we would be concerned about that. We're more concerned about our status here today and we're losing the battle. So what do we have to do? Well, we've got to become generous. Generous, being, being generous is the antidote, right? Of, of being selfish and, and falling for the temptation for power and wealth. But how can we become generous? We don't, 
want to be generous. We want to be selfish. It's just our nature. Sometimes we think that being generous is donating to organizations. And we think, well, I gave this to an organization. Well, a lot of times we just do that because we get a tax write-off. That's not generosity. Sometimes we make generations so that we can have influence in people's lives or influence over that organization. We make donations, but there's an expectation. That's not generosity. Generosity is completely different. It's, it's prioritizing God and saying, I, I'm not gonna worry about money. I'm going to focus on my mission. I'm gonna focus on what God has called me to. And so to overcome selfishness and, and become generous, here's what we've gotta do. We gotta know our purpose. You've gotta be grounded in your purpose. If you're not grounded in your purpose, you won't be generous. You won't consistently be generous. And so that's what we're living towards. We wanna to overcome this temptation, not by chasing money, but chasing purpose. In fact, that might become your mantra this year, right? For your business or for your life. I'm not chasing money, I'm chasing purpose. I'm not gonna chase money at work, I'm gonna chase purpose. I'm not gonna chase money in, in, in this investment, I'm gonna chase purpose. And let that be the driving force of your life this year to help you overcome the test of power. Now, money is not evil. It's the love of money that is evil. And building a great business can be a great blessing. And I hope that you do that. But we have to keep Jesus as our focus and priority. Thirdly, let's go to verse nine. Everybody's gonna face this test. And then he took him to Jerusalem and he set him on the pinnacle, way up high on the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The temptation that Jesus is facing here is the temptation for approval. He's telling Jesus, he takes him on this, you know, this, he gives him this vision of this high uh, uh, building that on top of the temple and he's overlooking how great of a leap this would be. And he's saying, go ahead, just, just throw yourself down. You know, your, your Bible, your, your, you know, your scripture says that if you were to do this, that angels are going to catch you and you're going to be okay. And so the temptation was to force God to do a miracle so that Jesus could then attract a following so that people would believe that he is the Messiah. If they saw that, then they would follow him then. They would, they would surrender to him then and then Jesus would gain their approval. Everyone would know he's the Messiah. He could do that, that's Satan's plan, or he could follow God's plan, which was a road of suffering and ultimately death on a cross. And so that's the temptation of approval. Will Jesus leap, let the angel save him so that he will get approval now, acceptance now, or will he follow God's plan? You see, here's the temptation. Being loved is more important than being faithful. Being accepted by your friends and your coworkers is more important than being faithful. Being respected in your industry is more important than being faithful to God. Getting paid, having influence, having a platform is more important than being faithful. And some of us are falling for the temptation. 
we're falling for these desires that we have. It's easier to be loved by the world sometimes than to be faithful to God's plan in our life, especially if it's like the road that Jesus had to walk, a a road of three uh, hard years of ministry and then suffering on a cross. Hey, I don't know if if I wanna sign up for the suffering part, God. I wanna sign up for the blessing part. But sometimes he's gonna take us to the, to the desert. We're gonna face the temptation and he wants to force God to do a miracle. Now listen, if you're a leader, approval is a very scary drug. If you're gaining the approval by some of the decisions you make, it can inflame that ego, right? As a, as a pastor, I have to, have to monitor this, right? Do I want the approval of this community? Do I want your approval or do I want to be faithful to God's word? Because I say some things that aren't so popular. But God's word says a lot of things that aren't so popular. So we have a decision to make. Do I want to be approved by you? Or do I want to try to be faithful to the word? You see, every day you face the same temptation in work, in business. Parents, do you want to be accepted and approved by your kids? Or do you want to lead them in the paths of righteousness? Because I can promise you, if you're trying to lead them in the paths of righteousness, they are going to hate you from time to time. If you've got teenagers, you know that is true. And they're not going to want to talk to you and they're going to fight against that. And hopefully one day, maybe surely one day, they will come around and they will say, oh, now I see. Now I understand. Thanks for not just trying to be my buddy. Thanks for being my leader. You see, the temptation is to be approved. What we want to notice here as well is that Satan can can quote scripture. He knows it, but he actually twists it. Yes, in Psalm 91, it talks about um, angels um, lifting him up, but the quote that the enemy uses is a misquote. He twisted it. He takes it out of context. That verse does not mean that, you know, you jump off a building and expect God to save you. That would be idiotic. And so he twisted it. And that's what the enemy wants to do. We talked a little bit about it last week. He wants us to doubt God's word. He wants to twist it around so that we're wondering, well, maybe this isn't true. Or maybe this is changed because it's 2023. And maybe we should adapt and not believe. And that's what the enemy wants to do. But Jesus is faithful. But if we fail this test, if we fail the approval test, it will reveal that you were driven by acceptance. You would rather be accepted you would rather be accepted than be faithful, right? We'd rather, we'd rather go with the crowd, take the easy road, follow culture, than stand out as a Christian. And the enemy will whisper to you, you'll never be enough. You're not gonna be enough. You, you, you need the approval of this person. You're not enough. You need to be accepted by this group. You need to be popular. You need to be loved by them. And so the the lie will creep into your mind time and time again that you are not enough. And if you believe you won't be enough, then you're going to chase acceptance. You're going to chase after this, this need for approval instead of finding your approval and acceptance as a child of God in Christ alone, knowing that he chose you, knowing that he loves you knowing that he has a plan for you. And just like Jesus, he's like, no, 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 I'm not going that path. I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to get accepted. I'm not trying to gain approval. I'm trying to be faithful. And so what does he do? He overcomes a temptation by humbling himself. And so you and I, we've got to humble ourselves to God's plan. We have to say, God, if this is your plan for me, 
I made mistakes. There are consequences. Whatever has happened, this is my reality. And here's your plan for me. And I'm going to walk it faithfully. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to move just to get acceptance or to make everybody be happy or like me or whatever it is. I want to be faithful. Jesus is tempted. He is tempted to be accepted by the crowd, but he chooses to walk the path that is of suffering that ultimately takes him to the cross to die for our sin, to raise us from the grave and he humbles himself, right? And so some of us are facing the same thing. We're struggling with each of these tests and I wonder how you're doing. How's it going in your life? And are you overcoming? Are you being defeated? Are you in the desert? I think there's hope for you today. Learned of a story this past week was pretty cool. There was a a girl named Natalie and uh, she was parked at uh, the airport here in town and she was backing out. She ran into a car and dented the bumper, busted the the taillight out and she had a decision to make right then, right? The temptation is there. The temptation is kind of most likely the temptation of power. Money and wealth are more important. You don't have enough, right? You got to do more. So you could just not talk about it and nobody's gonna know. And I can just kind of move on with life. It's gonna be expensive. And you know, you gotta make some payments this week. And so in that moment, she had a decision to make when she faced that temptation. Now, other side, the person who owned the car, um, he had just taken his family on a vacation, but this wasn't just any vacation. This was a special vacation because the previous year he almost died from COVID. He spent 15 days in the critical care unit and almost lost his life. They were very scary moments. And so it's taken him 12 months to really get back to normal. And once he did, he thought, okay, let's celebrate life. I need to take some time away with my family. And so they went on this vacation. He comes back to the parking lot to see his car damaged. And you know, like him, you probably would have thought the same thing. It's like, my goodness, is anything gonna go right, God? (laughs) My car's messed up. Now I got to pay for that and deal with this. Almost died. Now I've got, you know, just one thing after another. But then he noticed that on his car was a note. And the note was from Natalie. And Natalie had put in her name and put in her number. And she said, give me a call and I'm sorry. And so he did, he called and they had a conversation. And uh, she offered to pay to have the the car fixed. And Matt, he was blown away. And he thought, man, I can't believe, you know, this is, you know, happening in this day and time. And he thought, I mean, she has to be a Christian. And so he said, okay, where do you go to church? And Natalie said, I go to Foothills Church. Have you ever heard of it? And uh, his name is Matt. And he said, actually, I have. Um, I actually know Foothills really well um, because I'm really good friends with Pastor Trent. <laughs> So Natalie, you hit my best friend's car, Matt. (laughs) Wherever you are today, I don't know if you're here, but you passed the test and you encouraged a man who has been discouraged, who then encouraged me. We never know what a small test will end up producing for ourselves and for those around us. You know, in the moment of temptation, it's a small moment. It's a, it's a dark moment. Nobody is around and we have a decision to make. And it's in that moment 
that can transform our life. It's in that moment that takes us from discouragement to hope, from blessing to curse. And in that moment, Natalie said, you know what, I'm gonna do the right thing. So way to go, Natalie. Yeah, let's give her a round of applause. I don't know where she's at, but we're happy for her. My friend Matt was blessed and he was happy and he was encouraged. And I just know that there are some of you here today that just feel like you are in the desert. You feel like there's no hope. And so that temptation is real not to hope in God. The temptation is that God doesn't care. The temptation is that God's not gonna answer my prayer. The temptation for each of us would lead us to losing our faith or struggling or uh, getting beat down by the enemy. And I want you to know today that there is hope. The scripture after the 40 days says that Jesus then left in the power of the Holy Spirit. So listen, you have as a follower of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life today. That means you have hope. That means that you can overcome. That means there is a way out. That means that uh, joy does come in the morning. That means that God will do something in the future. And this is just a season of suffering. This is just a season of temptation. You have the Holy Spirit, you're empowered by Him, hallelujah. We can trust in that. And so what do we do? We believe, we believe, we believe, we trust, we rely. And we're gonna close our time today by sharing a song that we wrote that really teaches us just that, that in the midst of a season of our life where we don't feel like God is listening or that God cares, that we're gonna choose to believe and we're gonna choose to trust. Let's bow our heads and pray, Father. You are so good to us. Help us to be strengthened, to be able to see your goodness. Help us to be able to follow your path. Help us to see the way of escape. Help us to believe and trust even when we don't hear or see you. God, you are faithful and you have always been faithful. And so God, we wanna ask that right now those who have been failing the test, whatever it is, would overcome. Give them strength right now. Give them faith right now. Give them hope right now. And we will praise you and thank you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.